Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast. We have a special bonus podcast for you today. This past fall, we hosted our Breakthrough Weekend Conference, which featured some great speakers sharing wisdom on how to find your spiritual breakthroughs. One of those speakers was Pastor Jonathan Brooker. He's the lead pastor and founder of Alive Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. He led a session called New Wine, and we thought you'd enjoy it, so we're sharing it with you today. Here's Pastor Jonathan Brooker. I am excited to speak tonight as we start this breakthrough weekend on the topic of new uh, being a theme through the weekend. And um, and I, I'm just curious, has anybody in the room ever been on a first date before? Speaking of new things, first dates, anybody ever been on a, yeah. They, um, aren't they like, their best? They're so exciting, a first date and um, your first chance to meet somebody. Also, um, let's be real here tonight. Aren't first dates literally the worst? For real though, aren't they? Because there's so much you like you awkwardness. You don't know what's going on. You don't really know the person that well, and you're you're trying to figure things out. No, no lie. My first date, like my first, we gone on some coffee dates, but like the first official dinner and a movie date with my now wife, who uh, I met in the process of planting my church. Actually, um, six and a half years ago, I met her and all. My first real date with her. No lie. I ran into the, the glass um, storm door of her parents' house with her parents and brother and like all in the other room. They, they heard it and they, they saw it. And I was like trying to leave with her. I was like, all right, let's go. Bam, right into it. First dates are the worst. First dates are the worst because you're still trying to figure out, you know. But imagine going into a first date totally confident like you knew them already. Like, imagine going into it as if, like, you're, you're like, like, like overconfident. Not like a healthy confidence. I'm saying, like, overconfident. Like, it was your 51st date. Um, but the, the, the thing is, is that there can be a, um, a frustration in not knowing um, somebody and trying to get to know them. And, and it can also be a really dangerous thing when you pretend like you've got them all figured out and you don't. Yeah? In fact, in my, um, in my marriage, as well as in a lot of premarital counseling with couples, I've recommended that they, well, I've recommended my marriage. That's a dangerous thing to do. But um, that you don't pretend like you've got it all figured out, right? It is really good to enter into the relationship continually. Like, I'm still trying to learn. I'm still trying to, to get this person figured out. Um, if you're not married and you, you plan on being it, let me just tell you, um, predicting what your spouse is going to say is not a wise move most of the time. Or, or pretending like, I already know what you're going to say. It's not a wise move. Yeah. Yeah, because people are complex and people are fascinating, right? Oh, I see, in, in Virginia, I preach a lot better when I get to hear back from people. So I know you don't know me, but if you want me to stick to my time limit today, will you go ahead and give me a little bit something every once in a while? Thank you, thank you. Okay, thank you. I see that. Thank you. But people are complex and fascinating, which is why we should not pretend to like, oh, I got you all figured out. Yeah? How much more God? And that is where we end up getting into a problem in this passage we're going to look at today because it is just naturally frustrating for us to not know. So we want to pretend like we do. But when we get to people, that's a problem when we do that. It's even worse when we get to God and go, I just want to feel and I just want to imagine like I have it all figured out. So I'm going to kind of lean in and pretend like I do. And God oftentimes will, um, well, he'll... He'll show us that we don't. So here's the reality of Matthew 9, 14 to 17. And this is the main passage we're going to be in tonight. Um, if you got in your Bibles or if it's on the screen, here we go. Then the disciples of John, this is John the Baptist, okay? John the Baptist, who's like a great man of God. He was uh, the predecessor of Jesus leading and kind of opening the way for Jesus's ministry to come on, yeah? So these are followers of a really righteous guy. They came to Jesus saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus said to them, 
And this is what I love this about Jesus. Jesus is like, you have a question. I'm going to answer it with another question. But here he goes. He says, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. Now, this is an interesting story, yeah? I think it's an interesting story because um, Jesus has to use these different metaphors and all that. But Jesus' answers don't stand alone. I love to study the Word of God. Anybody else love to be a little nerdy? Okay, good. Nerds in the house, let's get, let's get on the same page here. Here's the cool thing. This is a cool story, and I, got, I don't have a long time, so don't, pre- don't preach back to me too well, okay? We don't have time. All right, here's the thing. This story shows up in four or three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This story shows up in each one of them, pretty much this, written the same way. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all inspired by the Holy Spirit to say, make sure you include that one about the whole John the Baptist disciples, the whole wineskin one. And they all include it, okay? If you look in your scriptures and you find out where they're all included, they all also include a story before it. And it's all the same story. Directly before it is, a, is another story, too. And then before that one, they all include the same other story. So there's three stories back to back to back. And this is very unusual if you, if you know your Bible, because in your, in your Bible, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're all over the place in their storytelling. It's kind of like real people. Like, imagine that. They're like real people. Their storytelling doesn't match up, but these guys put all three of these together every single time they tell it. And each story, the common theme is that there's somebody who thought that they knew um, what Jesus was, what God was. They thought they had God all figured out, but no, in fact, God was doing something new. And they had to kind of get on God's page a little bit more here. Have you ever needed to get your point across to someone and you just can't get it done at one time? So you need to tell them like three different ways because they're just not getting it on the first time. I feel like that's kind of what Jesus is doing here. You know, he he goes ahead and he's like, at the end of these three stories, and we're going to get to them in just a second. At the end of it, he's like, let me just, let me talk about three things that don't make sense. And the first one, as we just read it was, can you imagine going to a wedding and then being like, not just crying tears of happiness, but like tears of sadness, like you're mourning at a wedding. That would be awkward, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it break through weekend? It'd be awkward. And he's like, it's also, it doesn't make sense for you to take something that is, um, a, and patch up a new garment that's going to shrink with a, a new patch. It doesn't make sense because it's going to shrink and it, you, you don't want to have it tear it off. It doesn't make sense to put new wine into old wineskins because when the wine ferments, it's going to bust it open and it's going to break it. It just doesn't make sense. And uh, these three metaphors and these three back-to-back stories each are about something that just doesn't make sense. But he's dealing with things in each of these moments, in each of these stories, Jesus is, that to the people doesn't make sense. So Jesus is going, let me talk about things that don't make sense because I'm not making sense to you. And it's because you already have a paradigm of what you believe God should do in this moment. Each story we're going to look at it, they had a paradigm of what God should do in this moment, which is so weird that they used to do that back in the day have paradigms about what they felt like God should do in their moments. Because none of us ever deal with the thought that we have an idea of what God should do in a moment in our lives. That's so good that we've progressed since then. But anyway, Jesus came to go ahead and show each of them this. Jesus would rather free people than fit into people's paradigms. That's what each of these stories gets into. Because I, I, I think we got time for it. You, you want to hear the stories? All right, here's what it is. The first story is the, uh, the healing of the paralytic man whose friends bring him to Jesus. 
What ends up happening is Jesus, like, as he's like teaching, and imagine, like, all of a sudden, poof, like, the start, the room gets opened up, and there's this guy getting dropped down to it, and Jesus says, "Your faith, speaking to the friends, has healed this guy." And he forgives his sin, actually. He forgives his sin. And that's the really hard part for the, um, the scribes. They're just like, hold on a second. And this is kind of fair, okay? Because they're like, no, no, no. You're a, you're a human. You're a man. We don't forgive sins of other people like that. Like, you can forgive somebody that hurt you, but this guy didn't hurt you. You're not, you're not capable of forgiving this guy's sin. And it says in our scriptures, it says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority, all authority on earth to forgive sins. And so Jesus goes and says this, you know, what's, what's more complicated to do? To go ahead and free someone from their sins or free them from their paralysis? But so you, you know that I can do both, go ahead and get up and walk. And the guy gets him to walk, and they're like, whoa, I didn't think God could be man. And Jesus, yet is fully God and fully man. So Jesus, God's doing a new thing, and you need to get with it. And he'd rather free that person than go ahead and play to their paradigm. And then the second story, the second story is this, that basically you have a, a tax collector who um, even now we don't look highly upon, but Matthew, the tax collector, was definitely despised because he was a Jewish tax collector, which means he should have been like the people that, a person that cared for his people, and instead he was known to extort them and steal from them and take advantage of them. So he's pretty low down, and uh, yet Jesus calls him to be his disciple. Weird. You wouldn't do that. But then on top of that, the story goes on and says that Matthew's like, we should throw a flipping awesome party at my house tonight. Jesus is like, I'll be there. And he goes to this party where there are tax collectors and sinners galore, and he's sitting back and he's eating at the table with them. He's associating with them. And the Pharisees in this group now, they're looking and going, they, they know God. They studied God. They know, they know the Bible. And they're like, nope, God wouldn't do that. And they kind of, they, they don't have the guts to go to Jesus. They go to his disciples and they're like, do you know that your rabbi eats and drinks with these people? And they're like, yeah, we do. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, I'm sorry, do doctors go to heal healthy people or heal sick people? Don't y'all know why I came? It was to heal those. And here's the thing. Is anybody on this earth where we all are born with a sinful, fallen nature, is anybody truly not in need of healing spiritually? So it's not even that so much that like God came to send Jesus to go ahead and heal those who were sick. It was those who knew that they were sick. Those, and, and the Pharisees didn't think that was them. They thought they had God all figured out, and they didn't. And, um, and then we get to that last one where the disciples of John are like, well, here's these religious things that we do. We fast, which is a good thing to do. But your, your disciples aren't doing that right now. So like, isn't that what impresses God? Isn't that what we should do? And, uh, and, and Jesus Instead of going ahead and getting with their program in each of these stories, he invites them to go ahead and get with his program. And that's why he says in verse 17, neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed, but new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. I wanted to reread that again because when we push our paradigms on God, stuff gets ruined. That's what we see from that. When you and I, we kind of just, we agreed, we know that we do this sometimes. We kind of can be tempted towards putting our paradigms on God. God, this is what you do. This is what you always do. This is what you need to do. And, um, and we do that. Stuff can get ruined. Both the new wine and the wine skins. 
So both what God was looking to pour in and the vessel can be, met, can be messed up. There are adverse effects to that. But fortunately, when we adapt to God's ways, both are preserved. Both the vessel and the vision. Both the, both the person and the fresh perspective from God. There's a preserving element to putting God above our paradigms. And so three stories deal with three essential areas where we need to get God's view on, on what the world looks like. Um, so, oh, yeah, we're doing good. You guys got time for three things? Yeah. All right, here we go. Here's the first one from the first story. The ultimate authority that Jesus has. To get with God's program, we need to recognize that Jesus has all authority in heaven on earth. That sounds like something he said, by the way, right? All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. And so the paralytic's friends somehow believed that actually was true, right? Right? Because if you don't think that Jesus has authority, why are you dropping your friend down through the roof? You believe Jesus has the authority to do something. And when Jesus forgives his sin, you're like, well, that's cool too. And then he heals him and he's like, that's what we were expecting. That, there's, a, there's a moment where faith is in the room and they're seeing that Jesus has the authority. And, um, and the thing is that the enemy of our soul will try to take that kind of faith from us. To believe that Jesus truly does have all authority on heaven and on earth. It, the enemy will try and get us to either doubt the sovereignty of God or the goodness of God or both. But Jesus has all authority on heaven and on earth. And so what ends up going ahead and trying to rob us of that sense, that faith that we really should have, whether it be our circumstances, whether it be politics, whether it be fear and worry, whether it be the, the situation of life just pressing down on us. God wants us to remember, listen, it is not serving you to have a small view of me. It serves you to actually have a bigger view of me, to have faith for it, to believe that I'm still a God who forgives sins I'm still a God who heals diseases, who restores hope and performs miracles. That is still the God that we serve, yes? And so the scribes in this moment, they struggle because Jesus is clearly human and they knew that no man on earth could forgive sins. And that's kind of fair, again, because you and I don't have God-like authority to forgive sins, but Jesus did. And in that moment, those guys who should have knew, known better got to go ahead and experience that Jesus is fully God, fully man, therefore fully powerful and also fully empathetic to what it's like to be human. And so he could enter in and he could, through what he did in this ministry on earth, breathe new life into his people. So that's the first thing is that the ultimate authority Jesus does have. The second thing we need, we need, we need to realize and get on God's page with is the danger of people deciding what people God is interested in. Because the Pharisees couldn't believe that this holy man, if he truly is a holy man, would hang out with these very unholy people. Right? Like, no, no. If, and how many times in the, the scriptures does it say that the Pharisees were like, he must not know who's in the room. And, and he's like, no, I totally know. Which, by the way, is really encouraging for some of you, isn't it? Because he totally knows all your junk, all my junk, and he still loves us. Mind-blowing. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, indeed. It's mind-blowing that he would know it. And the problem, though, is for them, it's, it's so easy for us to judge whether we judge ourselves or we judge others. And sometimes even when we judge ourselves, we can be either highly gracious to ourselves and give ourselves a pass and therefore judge everyone else more harshly, or we can judge ourselves too harshly. Either way, it's not a win because we are not meant to judge ourselves. And we're also not meant to judge others. And often when we do that, we're looking more harshly. We're looking at them and going, I can't imagine, as if you don't also have a sinful nature. 
And the old mindset that we can all be prone to, that the Pharisees clearly had, is that, well, God would be more interested in people that are generally good. Breakthrough weekend, are y'all with me? Isn't that how we naturally would think? A perfect God would be more interested in people that are generally good, or at least trying really hard to be. And yet Jesus associated with the worst of the worst. And here's what we need to make sure we get theologically. It's not because God's like, oh, I don't care about sin. No big deal. It's because, as he already told them, I don't come to heal people that think they're already good without me. I come to to, to heal those who recognize that they're not. To heal those who recognize I'm in need of a savior. And so um, when we judge ourselves or we judge others, we can often miss out on the opportunity to run to the throne of grace for ourselves and offer that same grace to others. And so Jesus' physical body ascends to heaven, and then the church now becomes Jesus' body on earth. Yes? So let's make sure that we are not judging others or ourselves. Let Jesus be the one, because he judges way better than we would, way better than we could. So that's the second thing. Third and last thing, understanding the things that really impress God. And that's where John the Baptist's disciples come in and go like, hold on. Fasting is really a valuable way to impress God, show that we're, that we're ardent, that we're really kind of like into this thing. But here's the problem. Your disciples aren't doing that. And, and Jesus says, no, here's the problem. You don't understand. We're at a wedding moment right now. Jesus says to the disciples of John, this is party time because I'm here in the flesh. Can you imagine just hanging out and having fish and chips with Jesus by the ocean, by the lake? Come on. Like, no, it's just like, this is party time. They're going to fast. They're going to fast, but not right now. It wouldn't make sense for them to do that right now. In fact, what Jesus is getting at here is that, you know what? It's better for you to go ahead, instead of having your religious rituals that you do to make yourself feel good, let the Spirit lead you so you know the season that you're called to in this moment. Because Jesus says there's going to be moments where they're going to fast. And there will be moments of rejoicing. And there will be moments where we need to be crying out loud and celebratory and shouting out the glory of Jesus. And there needs to be moments where we are silent and still and know that he is God. There are moments where God's going to go ahead and say, hey, I need you to go ahead and do this. And it's going to make no sense to you. But you know what? The spirit leads, like he said in, in John, where the wind blows, like where the wind blows. It just, it is better for you and I if we remove the paradigm where this is what it looks like to impress God because it's something we're comfortable with and it's programmable. We can, we can regulate that. We can ritualize that. We can know, okay, this is what I always do. And it feels good for us. It does not feel as comfortable for us, but it is so much healthy for, healthier for us to instead go, Holy Spirit, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? I'm going to obey you no matter how crazy it is. Because here's the thing about old and new wineskins. Y'all still with me? The old ways were comfortable. In every single one of those moments, the old ways were comfortable, but they were also confining. And Jesus couldn't be contained in them. And that's what he came to show humanity then and still today. He was and is more interested at the end of the day in freeing people than fitting into people's paradigms. So, are we potentially succumbing to a, I got them all figured out? I don't think anybody in this room, I, I highly doubt any of us would be so bold and arrogant to kind of say, oh yeah, I've got God all figured out. We don't say it, we just sometimes live like it. 
It needs to be still a little bit of the first date. So tell me, tell me about that. Let me lean in. Let me learn more. Let me come more hungry because I'm telling you, 51st dates, you're not usually as hungry to get to know the person as you were on the first date. You got to work for it in marriage and relationships. You got to work to go ahead and still go, I want to come and I want to explore and I want to get to know you. And God is far more fascinating, far more wonderful, far more lovely and far more complex than any person on this earth. And in those moments where people like the scribes, the Pharisees, and John the Baptist's disciples, who should have known better, are get to be our examples, thank God that we, no matter where we are, get to go ahead and learn from them and say, you know what? I don't want to try and force what God is trying to do into my old paradigms. Let him free people from their sins, including me. I need freed every day. And I need to help bring that freedom to other people. Let them know it's available. Grace of God is available for you too. And I also need to make sure that I am not going ahead and saying, well, no, no, no. These are the kind of people that God seems to like more because God seems to love people that are really hard for me to love. So God, would you show me your love for others? I don't want to play judge when Jesus alone is that. And then lastly, I don't want to go ahead and create a, a program of what are the things that I think I can do that God will be impressed by. You know what God's impressed by? Children that love to just do whatever he says. Faithful, obedient, and love him. And in many ways, that's a lot simpler. But in many ways, that's also a lot harder. Because you and I need to listen. And we don't actually end up arriving, which would feel good to be, I just arrived, I'm done. Instead, we realize we're on a consistent journey where we come to him and go, Jesus, what's the new thing you want to do in my life? And I believe this weekend that God wants to do some new things in our lives. And so we come asking God, would you pour out into my life whatever it is that is new, whatever it is that is fresh and exciting or <laughs> fresh and scary as all get out. God, I'm here for it because at the end of the day, I do not want to limit you into my own old wineskin, my old paradigm. Would you free me today? God, would you free us today so that we can experience the newness that you have to bring to us today? God, you alone can do it. And so we surrender to you and your new thing. Would you do it tonight in Jesus' name? Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this special bonus podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram, or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.